Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey there. And my husband Dylan's the sound recordist. The final hey. The final hey. That, that was melodic. Oh, thanks. I'm you really hit those uh, notes. I'm really good at singing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at singing. Did you recently learn to sing and find the music in your life? From Clay Aiken, yeah. Okay. An inspirational memoir. <laughs> Did you recently an inspirational memoir? Yes, yes. Um, so this is the last mini. So this is the last episode before, you know, we have our baby and the world changes. I, listeners, I wish you could see Bailey's eyes when she was doing that because just for a second she realized like the magnitude of what she was saying. It comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, um, since it's the last week of June, which is Pride Month, we are bringing to you some of our favorite um, LGBTQIA plus authors and characters and sharing some recommendations for what you can be reading right now if you haven't read a lot of queer literature or queer characters. So I don't want to do this as like a top three. I think we should mm. just share our ideas. Or okay. what, what, yeah. what do you guys think? That works for me because I found a big overlap in things I've talked about before and some of my favorite characters. Um, so I think it'll be better if we frame it as like a conversation. Yeah. Okay. So we've each, we each have three examples, not in order of importance or greatness, just three. So who would like to start? Toby, you look like you want to start. Sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I'm going to order mine uh, from most obscure to least obscure. Okay. Even though we just went through a thing saying we weren't going to do that. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm a wild card. Um, and so is Tamsin Muir. Ooh. No, I don't. I, I, she's probably a wild card. I don't know. Tamsin Muir uh, is a author from New Zealand. Um, and she is the author of the Lock Tomb trilogy, um, among other things. Um and the first book is about a character. It's, the title of the book is Gideon the Ninth, and the character themselves is Gideon the Ninth. Um, she's a queer character. She is amazing. I, I really hope a listener out there has read Gideon the Ninth because it is incredibly difficult to describe. The best thing I can say is that Gideon the Ninth is this character who lives in like a, she's like the servant, the unwilling servant of like a death cult that lives in space. Ooh. So they're like necromancers, but it's all in space, and it's all like part of this crumbling empire that's all falling to pieces, and there's all this like pageantry that no one really observes anymore, but then she and her like kind of master, like boss lady, who she's grown up with, are called on a mysterious mission to a, like a dead planet that kind of like the plot kind of resembles like an Agatha Christie style locked in a house and people are getting murdered thing. Sounds good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I thought you were to say an Agatha Christie style queer space murder. <laughs> yeah, one of those. <laughs> um, it is a very unique book. Um, and Gideon the Ninth in particular is an amazing character. She's really funny. She's very like strong and bold. Um, and just, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book. And Tamsin Muir. I haven't read the, the second two books in the trilogy, um, but they're on my list eventually. And I'm, yeah, I can strongly recommend Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Awesome. Andrew, what's your first pick? So, yeah, I, I don't have any logic to the order of my listing. I wanted to have at least one character slash author from the to read list that we've we, we've talked about uh, to just sort of call that out. And I went back to, I think, my second book uh, picked, um, which was Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. It was my first five star I gave on the podcast. I mean, mm. 
this is a recommendation of Giovanni's room, and specifically the character I was thinking of was David, who's the uh, the protagonist, who's in Paris living as a, a voluntary expat um, and discovering things about himself, his his bisexuality, um, his love for this char- this Italian bartender that he meets in a gay bar called uh, Giovanni, um, and it's just a devastating and delicate and like demanding book that I, I recommend checking it out. It's a, it's a reasonably quick read if, you, if you're if you looking for something like that. And then beyond that, I just recommend checking out all of anything that James Baldwin has written, whether that's some of his other novels, his nonfiction, his short stories, and even just seeing that documentary, I'm Not Your Negro, about uh, Baldwin, I would also recommend. I really want to see that. I need to... Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great watch. It's a great movie. Great documentary. Um, great. Well, I don't have a logic to my order either. I did the <laughs> We're thing. We're all prefacing it. Well, I did the thing where I had so many ideas that I just put them all down. I think I have like 12 ideas here. So I'm just going to pick one at random. I did something similar, <laughs> Bailey. I have a list of about eight and I'm like, who's going to be in the three? Who will I say? Um, so I'm going to start with this one, um, which is, it. I was inspired by Toby because this one's also sci-fi um, and it has a little bit of comedy like Douglas Adams style comedy um, mm-hmm. and it's a start of a series the series is called Once in Future um, and it's written by two non-binary folks um, they're partners their names are Amy Rose Capetta and Corey McCarthy um, they wrote this book together and it's the story of the King Arthur saga told in space but Arthur is a woman named Ari and Merlin is a young gay man who's aging backwards and, <laughs> and so basically merlin from the book yeah well, <laughs> uh, and and ari falls in love with guinevere and they're out to you know fight morgana and but they're in space and it's just like a rip roaring good time written by an own voices author how do you say that like do you have you heard that expression no the expression own voices meaning that like it's a queer person writing about a queer character. Mm, okay. It's really fun. The characterization is fun. I'm excited to see where the story goes. I guess I, I really liked Merlin in particular as a character, but I, I liked all of the characters. And it's one of those books where one thing I love about sci-fi is in the future, like characters like just don't care. They're like, <laughs> yeah, like we don't really have gender. It's whatever. And like our sexuality is fluid. It's, it's whatever. And that's really the case in this book. Um, and I think it's progressive and fun and I would recommend it. Yeah, that's something I really enjoy about recent sci-fi fantasy is that, I mean, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's like just so ridiculous how, you know, classic sci-fi, classic fantasy tends to like somehow adopt the moralism of those times, which is so ridiculous because it's like, well, I can invent orcs and I can invent elves that live thousands of years, but gay people, no, no, no. No way. And it's like, it's just so cool that this space is getting crazy explorer these days it's really fun you can get some really interesting stories yeah all right uh toby what what did you have next uh, my second author um is emile ferris um and she wrote the graphic novel my favorite thing is monsters um emile ferris is by she is amazing if you guys haven't seen this book anywhere if you don't know about it I don't know. I think we've all read it, right? Andrew, have you read My Favorite Things Monsters? It is on my to-read list, and I have to keep myself uh, from reading it pretty frequently. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's not only... I don't know. It, it, it comes wholeheartedly recommended, I think, from almost everybody who's read it. And then the cover is really enticing. It's done in this incredibly cool style where it's all ballpoint pen illustrations, but 
kind of elevated to the level of fine art. It tells the story of a young girl who's growing up in kind of a poor neighborhood in 1960s Chicago. Uh, only the little girl in the story is portrayed as a werewolf, although no one ever really comments on it. So it's kind of a whole thing. Um, and she, the little girl is investigating the murder um, of a woman in her building. I, I think she just sees herself as a werewolf. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there's interviews where Emil Ferris talks about like the girl is basically her growing up like they share the same interests and everything and people have asked her like well why is she a werewolf and she said like i'm just making fun of the roles that like people have to play in their life like the way kids kind of see themselves and she Mm -hmm. said like yeah when i was a kid i kind of saw myself like that as a werewolf yeah Mm. i will say i wholeheartedly recommend this book it's a five-star book do your research before you read it there are some content warnings that you might want to look into um i feel like i can handle a lot of things as a reader and it pushed my boundaries it was very intense for me also, the second one hasn't come out yet, which is driving me crazy because yes. I can't wait until I hear, until I know what happens. Yeah, it yes. is a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, and to do just a couple interesting facts, because I've just wanted to know more about Emile Ferris. Um, when she was 40 in 2001, she contracted West Nile fever from a mosquito bite. She went to the hospital and then she became paralyzed from the waist down, lost movement in her right hand, had to relearn how to walk and draw and write and then after that got her mfa in creative writing and then wrote the graphic novel it's amazing once she wrote it um it was supposed to be released in 2016 but the company shipping the books went bankrupt and the entire run was held in the panama canal so basically she had to figure out how to get her already printed already like scheduled to be released books out of the panama canal she does not have good luck. No, definitely not. So that's my second recommendation. Awesome. Andrew, what's your second recommendation? My second recommendation, I believe I've brought up this author in the past. Um, it's Paula Vogel. Uh, she's a playwright. Um, she was in my quarantine house, uh, but I specifically want to recommend her play, The Baltimore Waltz. Um, it's about a sister and her brother going on a European trip. And I don't want to spoil too much what happens, but a lot of it is sort of Based on Paula Vogel's life, her brother Carl, who's, who's that character in the in the book, is gay, and it turns out is, you know, maybe not actually on this trip, and this is maybe more of a wish fulfillment of something that couldn't happen. Um, but the whole play is devastating and funny and quick, and the production I saw of it a few years ago, actually back at my college, was still to this day one of my favorite things I've ever seen, and like the most I've like broken down watching a, a piece of theater ever so like i I highly recommend all of her work um in particular the baltimore waltz but also indecent how i learned to drive uh the mineola twins all of it's great um but i have a special place in my heart for carl in the baltimore waltz you recommended this play to me andrew and it was really good and i cried so double recommendation my second recommendation i don't this is like a character slash author because it's a memoir so it is uh the book i'm recommending is in the dream house by carmen marie machado Ooh. um she also wrote her body and other parties yeah i've read that one i haven't read in the dream house yet yes this one is excellent it's um a memoir that she wrote i think it came out either last year or the year before she's a lesbian it talks about her abusive relationship with another woman um, and it's told in multi-different genres. Like, there'll be, like, a detective story. There'll be, like, f- poetry or whatever. But it really puts you inside what it feels like to be trapped in an abusive relationship. And first of all, the writing is incredible. The character slash, I mean, she writes herself very well. She gives you a great idea of her perspective. And also, you know, of her story, which is interesting and devastating. Um, and it's just a reminder that, you know... 
she talks a little bit about this, but like, you know, lesbians can be abusive too. (laughs) It's not, you know, it's not just a mean husband uh, or abusive husband. It could be a woman as well. And it was harder for her, I think, to be seen in that case because people assumed that, you know, you couldn't have that kind of dynamic. So I would absolutely recommend it. She's an incredible author. Did you like her other book? I really did, yeah. yeah. And they, they're right up my alley, these stories. They're like literary, sci-fi, fantasy. There's a couple of ones that are just straight down the barrel literary, um, but they're all very powerful, some legitimately scary ones. Yeah. Um, some ones that have, you know, you read a book of short stories and it's interesting which ones stick with you. A lot of them stuck with me. Like, yeah. just find myself thinking about them every once in a while. So that one is uh, Her Body and Other Parties. Yep, and this is In the Dream House. So, yeah, I saved my biggest name for last. Um, it's got to be number one with a bullet, David Sedaris. Um, He's great. Another character author. If you do not know who David Sedaris is, stop this podcast right now. Go pick up Me Talk Pretty One Day. You're going to laugh so hard you cry. Um, he is a memoirist, essayist, yeah. and fiction. He does fiction as well. Some of his stuff is short stories. Usually in his collections, it's kind of a blend of both um, or of all three. He is, I don't know, he's one of my favorite authors legitimately. Um, He has an incredible eye for the world um, and the way he observes things, I mean, at least for me, it's just kind of the way that I wish I observed things. Like he's so, he's like self-deprecating, but he's also insightful and he's really clever and funny um, and just brings out like these hilarious, hilarious stories that almost always have a kind of bittersweet undercurrent of sadness or reality. Yeah, I I could not speak higher of David Sedaris. I remember we listened to, I think, both Naked and Me Talk Pretty one day on like classic audio cassettes on road trips when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember saying to my dad something along the lines of, man, I wish I could write like that, but nothing that funny will ever happen to me. And my dad (laughs) turned to me like stone faced and was like, Nothing has to happen to you. You just need to be a good writer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you don't <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he meant to burn me as much as he did. Um, In but some I, ways, it's inspirational. Like, yeah. well, you could just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I chose to think of it as like, don't wait around for the interesting thing to happen to you. But in saying it out loud, it sounds a little meaner <laughs> <laughs> than that. But. Yeah, I will say he's been pretty straight up in his interviews. He pulls his... A lot of his writing from a, his diary, which he's kept for I don't know, like 40 years or something. Uh, and his stuff is kind of like blurs the line between memoir and fiction because he fictionalizes where he feels like it to make it funnier or more interesting. Um, but it all rings very true to me. Uh, highlights of his would be me, tra- me Talk Pretty One Day, which is about his time he spent in France. Um, and his recent one, Calypso, which I really, really enjoyed, which is kind of about him uh, living on the East Coast, I think in North Carolina, um, and kind of dealing with his family, uh, of whom... Amy Sedaris is a famous member. So if you know her, you know him. That's not true. I mean, maybe. Is there a person out there that knows Amy Sedaris but not David Sedaris? Like, that seems like the exact same level of nerdy hipster comedy. In different worlds, like literary versus TV. TV and film. Yeah. I love David Sedaris. Good pick. Andrew, what's your final rec? My final rec is another one who I believe I brought up a long time ago. Um, but it's Alison Bechdel, um, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful graphic artist, uh, graphic novelist. I liked Are You My Mother, I think, more than Bailey did. But I think we're all we all agree that Fun Home is one of the best graphic novels out there um, and a great place to start if you want to sort of try out a more grown-up graphic novel. And I don't see, say grown-up in sort of a pejorative sense to other types. I just mean like a graphic novel that's 
trying to do something very different than what you might think. And she has a lot of other work, uh, including a comic strip she's done for a long time and many other things to check out. But Alison Bechdel as a writer and then Alison Bechdel as a character within her autobiographical comics as well. Highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah, we have a lot of characters slash authors here. That's Mm -hmm. cool. My final character is Arthur Less from Less by Andrew Sean Greer. Mm. Yeah. This one... The Pulitzer? Was it the Pulitzer? I think it was the Pulitzer. Yeah, it was the Pulitzer. This won the Pulitzer a few years ago. The premise of the book is that there's this older gay man um, named Arthur Less. He gets an invitation to his ex-boyfriend's wedding. And in order to avoid it, he accepts every single invitation he gets. Tours, lectures, teaching gigs around the world. um, just, Just to avoid this event. And each chapter takes place in a different part of the world. And it's really well written and funny. And the ending is just like devastatingly beautiful i don't want to say anything about it but like definitely cried so i have some honorable mentions give it to us Um, bailey all right i've already talked these ones to death but a little life by hanya yanagahara oh yeah jude i knew you would write that yeah right that wasn't on your main list Well, because i wanted to you know diversify give some (laughs) different ones i love lily and the octopus by stephen rowley um red white and royal blue which we talked about on this podcast um some ones we haven't talked about. Odd One Out by Nick Stone. This is a fun um, YA book that's a love triangle about... Uh, it's like a bi-love triangle. It's like two girls and one guy. A love biangle? Love biangle. Um, that was fun. I love the character Mel Vaught in The Animators. The Animators is a great literary fiction book from a few years ago. And then lastly, um, I want to give a shout out to a graphic novel I loved, which was Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki, who wrote This One Summer. Yeah, I was. I thought Mariko Tamaki was going to be on Andrew's list. I don't know. Um, but the character Freddie, she's, you know, a young gay woman, and she's in a relationship with this girl, Laura Dean, who just treats her terribly. Um, but, you know, it, it really gets you in the feels, gets you in the adolescent feels. Um, so I would recommend that as well. Did you guys have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I will say um, I already mentioned her, I think, on my quarantine house. But uh, Noel Stevenson, comics artist, author of Nimona, um, just a really, really fun read. Yeah, that's a great one. And I brought up this before, but I love uh, I kept it very much in the play area for this one because I knew you guys were going to bring in more of the, of the literary fiction and such. But just to reiterate, Tony Kushner's Angels in America, particularly the characters Prior Walter and Belize, and then also his play A Bright Room Called Day. There's a character in that book called Baz, who I really love. And then also the work of Terrell Alvin McCraney, um, the brother size in the red and brown water and Marcus and the secret of sweet is a triptych and then choir boys. Another one love all that work. And it's uh, very much a different read and, and uh, is very different than sitting down and reading a play normally, which is also very different than sitting down and reading a novel. So if you're trying to switch it up, I recommend those works. And he wrote, he wrote moonlight, right? Yes. He's also the author of moonlight, um, which Mm -hmm. was adapted from a play of his called in the moonlight, black boys look blue, I believe. And high flying bird. And Dylan's favorite movie, high flying bird. Oh, oh, actually, um, just to jump on the graphic novel train as well, uh, also because I was watching a lot of Babylon Berlin, but the comic slash doorstop Berlin by Jason Lutz, when you guys were talking about it, uh, queer stories in space, um, it's Berlin is about 500 different really heavy subjects about pre-1925 like to 1930 Berlin. But one of them was about sexual fluidity that, like, since their entire country got destroyed, Germany basically said, like, yeah, 
sexuality and gender. There's no rules. There's no rules anymore. Yeah. We're just going to do whatever we want. And so there's like some love stories that are very traditional. And then there's some love stories that are just really out there, but they're all treated the same in Berlin. And it's just crazy to see something, a story told like that in the 30s in like this really open world. But then also with the specter that Nazis are coming. So Yeah. Weirdly enough, that echoes a lot of Bright Room Called Day by Tony Kushner. There's, yeah. there's some similarities there. there. Yeah. Well, guys, it's time for me to sign off. It's time for me oh. to pass the mic. Um, next week on the podcast, it's going to be Toby and Andrew. And Toby, you can tell us what the episode's about. And then, you know, I'm just going to be a listener like everybody else for a few months. So, Toby, what, what are you guys reading next week? Uh, next week, we are going to be reading Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. And Andrew will be reading What is the What by Dave Eggers. Listeners at home, I will say I'm a little nervous. You're going <laughs> to um, do great. I'm a little nervous. And I will say that uh, Andrew and I are looking forward to our episode together, or I don't want to speak for Andrew. I'm looking forward to our episode together. But fear not, we really, we think it's important not to just have episodes where it's two straight white guys talking to each other. So we really are looking to bring you some really cool guests. We have some stuff in the work I think you guys will be excited about. Please don't leave us just because Dylan and Billy are leaving us. Look, people just listen to the show for me, so. (laughs) I'm sure that you do have some Dylan stands out there. I think it's going to be great, and uh, stick with us, guys. We'll get there. All right. Um, thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the To Read List podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the To Read List podcast and on Twitter at To Read List pod. Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, to Miss Jillian Beth Dorkey for composing our intro song, and to Patrick McGran for remixing it. I won't see you next week, but these guys will. Happy reading. Books, 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 books.